If you're ready to go deeper in your Bible study, Living the 66 Books of the Bible by Dr. David Jeremiah will help. You'll learn how to identify each book's purpose, theme, challenge, verse, and prayer. And it's yours with a donation of any amount to Turning Point this month. And if you give $60 or more, you'll also receive the first volume of this series and a Genesis through Revelation DVD. To learn more, visit davidjeremiah.ca. When you think about it, every day you accomplish some pretty remarkable things for one simple reason. God loves you. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at a few of those things as he wraps up his series, God Loves You, He Always Has, He Always Will, to introduce the conclusion of his eye-opening message, God's Love Changes Everything. Here's David. And thank you for joining us today, and thank you so much for being with us during this series. Some of you haven't missed a single word, and we're so grateful for your faithfulness. You always get the most out of it when you get the whole thing. And I'm glad we've been able to share this every day for this month, a great way to start the new year. And um, you've been with us, and thank you. You have also, many of you already sent your gift during the month of January and asked for the copy of the book, Heaven Rules. In this book, Heaven Rules, Nancy DeMoss uh, uses the book of Daniel as a guide to reveal how seeing our lives and world through the lens of Scripture can shield us from panic and give us renewed hope and perspective. And Scripture helps us to see heaven's perspective, that God is personally and purposefully involved in all that's going on here. Heaven is ruling, always ruling. That doesn't mean we won't experience distress, but it means we can find a refuge by looking upward and letting his peace rule in our hearts. This is the perfect book for you to begin the new year with. You're already a month behind, so don't don't forget to ask for a copy of this book, Heaven Rules by Nancy DeMoss. This is one of my favorite opportunities to give this book to you is appreciation for your investment in Turning Point. It's yours for the asking for your gift today for a gift of any size. Well, here's part two of God's Love Changes Everything. It's an interesting thing that in our churches today, we think that our churches are great because of the things that we do, maybe the money that we give, the buildings that we build. The Bible says churches are great because they reflect the love of Christ in their hearts as they love one another. That's one of the reasons why small groups are such an important building block in a good church. For it's in those small groups that we can express that love for one another in tangible ways. And so we look at our Lord's command and we realize how powerful that is. That because he has loved us, he's given us love now that we can not only reflect back to him and use to understand our own selves, but now we can share that love with one another in the body of Christ. You know that Peter was present the night the Lord gave his final address, and he obviously understood what the Lord was saying. For in 1 Peter 4, 8, he wrote, Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. John the Apostle was also present that night, and it's quite evident that he got this message too, because he filled up his gospel and his first epistle with the whole message of love in such a way that you can hardly read a page that you're not bumping into the theme. In 1 John 4, 11 and 12, he wrote, If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. In another passage, he argues with us by saying this. If you say that you love God whom you have not seen and yet you don't love your brothers and sisters whom you have seen, what kind of sense does that make? If you can't love your brothers and sisters who you have seen, who you can touch and feel and hear and with your own eyes perceive, if you don't love them, how in the world can you love God that you can't even see? It's almost as if God is saying that we reflect our love for him in the love we have for each other. That's such a wonderful truth. That's what happens when you love one another. God builds into you this incredible desire to reach out to those you don't know and to express his love for them within the body of Christ. You say, well, how do I express my love for those around me? Let me just give you three ways. Number one, you do it by encouraging them. Encouragement is a commodity that is much in need this day. Can I get a witness? We have a lot of discouraged people. We have a lot of people that are going through tough times. You don't know how important it is that you get next to them with a word of encouragement. The Bible constantly says we're to encourage one another. The actual word in the New Testament language is a word that means to draw alongside of someone. I kind of see the picture of putting an arm around somebody and saying, hey, we're praying for you. We want to encourage you. And we want to be a blessing to you. And you know you have opportunities to do it wherever you go. And I want you to know, if you just open your eyes, if you just look, every time you turn around, there's somebody you can pray for, somebody you can encourage. We love one another by encouraging one another. We love one another by edifying one another. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians that we're to edify one another. The word edify is thrown around sometimes without a lot of understanding and meaning. But the word edify simply means to build up one another. It means that we impart grace to those that we meet. The word edify comes from two words in the Greek language, which means to build a house. And the word edify means to build up. How is it that in our churches we've missed that? And some folks have actually taken it to the other extreme. They believe their spiritual gift is to tear down one another. Instead of being renovators and encouragers, they become demolishers. They don't have a good word for you. They wait for you to do something that they don't like or say something that doesn't measure up to their standard, and you become the target of their criticism. Where do you find that in the Word of God? The Word of God says that as believers, we express our love to one another by encouraging and building up one another. And thirdly, the Bible tells us that we love one another by entertaining one another. This has to do with hospitality. The Bible says we're to be given to hospitality. You say, what does that mean? That means we're not just to do it when it's convenient or when it comes face to face with us. But to be given to hospitality means you look for somebody to be hospitable to. Looking for opportunities to encourage and entertain and be a blessing to people. Let me just say this is a final word about loving one another. That the greatest tool we have to be loving one another is in this book. There are so many times when you go to see somebody and you might be saying to your wife in the car on the way there, I have no idea what I'm going to say to these people. (laughs) But along the way, maybe the Lord gives you just a verse of scripture or maybe a psalm or something that you heard in church on Sunday 
And so in the absence of something you've thought up, you just share with them the word of God. How many of you know that may be the most important thing you can do? God hasn't necessarily promised to bless our words, but he has promised to bless his word. And some of you have had that experience during this campaign. Let me tell you what I mean. You've written me your stories. You've told me what God has done. When you have simply walked up to somebody that you sensed had a need and said to them, let me just tell you something I want to give you today as a gift. God loves you. He always has and he always will. That's straight out of the word of God. How do I love another believer? How do we love each other? By encouraging one another, by edifying one another, by entertaining one another. And it's all wrapped up in our truth book, which is the Bible. Here you will find the things that will encourage others. And the Bible tells us we're to be champions in that regard. So let's back up for a moment and remember that because God has loved us, we can love him. Because God has loved us, we can love ourselves. Because God has loved us, We can love one another. Here's the fourth ripple that comes from the love of God. Because God has loved us, we can love our neighbors. In the book of Matthew, we are told that people came to the Lord Jesus and asked him for the great commandment. And you remember, he gave them the great commandment. He said the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like unto it. Remember what it said. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now your neighbor doesn't necessarily have to be a Christian. In fact, your neighbor may not be a Christian and we're not just talking about the person who lives next to you in the house next door or in the apartment or in the condo next door. The Bible defines a neighbor through the Good Samaritan story as anybody whose need you are capable of meeting. That's what a neighbor is. Anybody that you see, anybody that you meet, and they have a need, and you have the ability to meet that need, that person immediately becomes your neighbor. And the Bible tells us we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. In the book of Romans, Paul was addressing the Roman church, and he gave them an incredible commentary on the importance of loving your neighbor In Romans 13, he said, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandment, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet the last five commandments of the Ten Commandments. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he explains what he means. In the next phrase, he says, if you love your neighbor, you won't do harm to your neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. In other words, if you're a good neighbor, you don't commit adultery with your neighbor's wife. You don't steal your neighbor's stuff. You don't covet what your neighbor has. You are a good neighbor and you love your neighbor and you reach out to your neighbor and you express God's love to your neighbor in tangible deeds so that they can see the reality of Jesus Christ in you. And then finally, the last one. Here's the final circle in the five circles. You remember what they are now? Because God loves us, we can love him. We can love ourselves. We can love our friends in the church, we can love our neighbors, the wider circle, and now here's one that really staggers your imagination. Because God loves us, we can love our enemies. Whoa, pastor, you lost me that one. 
I have to love my enemies? Well, let me read to you what the scripture says in Matthew chapter five. You have heard that it was said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, said Jesus, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. The Bible says that if we treat our enemies like everybody else treats enemies with respite and get even, we're no better than anybody else. I mean, you don't need Jesus to do that. Everybody does that without him. But if you have Jesus in your heart, if you have God's love in your heart, he'll give you the courage and the ability to turn that whole thing upside down. You can draw a line in the sand and say, this stops here. Because I'm not going to respond to your hurtful things. I'm going to love you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to bless you. The Bible says, pray for you. And if they're hungry, give them something to eat. And if they're thirsty, give them something to drink. When you do that, the Bible says, you heap coals of fire upon their heads. And you stop the chain of get even that often continues for years in the Hatfields and the McCoys. (laughs) You say, did anybody ever do that? Oh, absolutely. From his agony on the cross, Jesus Christ looked down on those who had brutalized him and asked God to forgive them. Stephen, the first martyr, did the same thing. And Peter points out that Jesus, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he committed himself to the one who judges righteously. And because Jesus loved his enemies, we can love ours too. And so Paul, who built friendships with his prison guards, writes in the book of Romans, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you heap coals of fire on his head. The Bible says that we, because God loves us, have been given this incredible inventory of love that reaches heavenward, reaches inward, reaches outward, even further outward, and across the lines of hostility to our enemies. One of the most inspiring stories of a man loving his enemies is that of John Perkins. John grew up as a black man in Mississippi, dropped out of school in the third grade, and in his teen years, he headed for California seeking for employment. While in California, he became a Christian, and he soon came to believe that God was calling him to preach the gospel to the poor black people he had been raised with in Mississippi, so he went back there. On February 7th in 1970, a Saturday night, during the midst of racial unrest, police arrested a group of black college students. John Perkins and his associates went immediately to bail them out of jail. But when they got there to speak up for those who had been arrested, five deputy sheriffs and a highway patrolman surrounded them, placed them under arrest, and began beating them violently. Perkins had done nothing wrong. He didn't have a police record, but he was a black leader trying to help young African Americans, and that's all that it took at that particular time in that particular town. The beating went on for most of the night, The aggressors stomped on Perkins, kicked him in the head, in the ribs, and the groin. One officer picked up a fork and jammed it first up his nose and then down his throat. 
John Perkins was unconscious for most of that evening. He was so swollen and mutilated that the helpless students around him was certain that he was either dead or was going to be dead shortly. But somehow, by the grace of God, he lived through the night. John Perkins did not choose to be reacting and embittered. He had come to Mississippi on a mission for black people, and they needed his support, and they needed his guidance. And that guidance had to begin right now with his example of how you respond to that which had happened to him. He wrote later of his attackers, I remembered their faces so twisted with hate, it was like looking at white-faced demons. And for the first time, I saw what hate had done to those people. Those policemen were poor, and they saw themselves as failures, and the only way they knew how to find a sense of worth was by beating on us. Their racism made them feel like somebody As a Christian, Perkins could not receive hate and deal it back. Such an option was not open to a disciple of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And even as he lay on the floor of the jail cell, crimson puddles all around him, welts rising on his body, he was in prayer. He knew he shouldn't be bargaining with the Lord, but he couldn't stop the pleadings that rose from his heart. Lord, I want to preach to these people too. I want to preach to these who are driven by their hatred. I want to drive out that hatred forever by preaching to them the love of God's gospel. It required months for Perkins' battered body to heal. Two doctors, one white and one black, labored over the physical wounds and gently and compassionately brought him back to health. And Jesus Christ, who is the physician of the hearts, labored over his mangled emotions. So that one day in body and spirit, John Perkins was healed and regained full strength. And now he knew it wasn't just his people who needed to be free. It was everyone. Now that God had enabled me to forgive the many whites who had wronged me, he said, I found myself able to truly love them. And I wanted to return good for evil. So he set out on a long journey of reconciliation, of bridge building, actually became the founder of the Voice of Calvary Ministries dedicated to racial reconciliation, was so profound in his impact upon his community that when Ronald Reagan was the president, he put him in charge of a commission to restore inner city peace during that day. The great question that faced John Perkins also faces us on occasion, does it not? Can we love those who don't love us? Can we love those who persecute us? Can we stop living in an endless cycle of evil for evil and even of apathy for apathy? What would happen if we actually began to treat people as lost members of God's family? You say to me, Pastor Jeremiah, that's the kind of love I don't have any capacity for. And let us all raise our hands and say, neither do we. That's not something you can do in your own strength, is it? I mean, that kind of love has to be supernatural. That's not natural love. That's not something you just do because you suddenly find a good streak in your heart. That love comes from somewhere else, and we know where, don't we? All of this love comes from our Father. And so we ask ourselves, how can I become the kind of person who can truly love God and love myself and love my brothers and sisters and love my neighbors and even love my enemies. How can you do that? I think I've found a good illustration 
that will bring us to a conclusion in this series that I hope you will never forget because I know I won't. Henry Drummond wrote a book that became a classic. This book is on the message of love and it's called The Greatest Thing in the World. Some of you may have read it if you ever see it in a used bookstore or you can order it online. And of course, the greatest thing in the world, according to Henry Drummond, is love. In one section of his book, he asks the question that I've just asked. How does one ever learn to love like that? And he gives this illustration. He points out that a magnet will pass its charge into a piece of ordinary iron that is left near it long enough. He says if you have a powerful magnet and you take a piece of ordinary iron and you leave it near that magnet for a little while, when you take the iron away, the iron will possess the magnetism that was in the magnet. And I'm sure you get the application. If you want to love like God loves, you got to get near to where God is. If you want to love like Jesus loves, you got to love like Jesus loves because you spend time with him. The closer you get to the author of love, the more of that love will start passing through you until it will even surprise you sometimes that you were able to do what you did. We learn to love from the author of love who is God and from his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Henry Drummond has said, that's the magnet. We're the ordinary steel. If we stay close to the source, we will begin to learn to love as he loved. And that's the takeaway from this series. That's the call to arms. That's the action item. What do we do with God's love? Do we keep it? Do we celebrate it? Do we rejoice about it? Oh, yes, that's true. We do all those things. But the ultimate thing we do with the love of God is we become channels for it. God will love others through us. That's really the only channel he has these days on this earth. So his love will go as far as we will allow it to go. His love will be felt as widely as we allow it to be circulated. He will channel his love through us. And through us, we can reach the world. And let's don't get so caught up in the largeness of that task. He's given us a little task right here in our own city. Let's be men and women who share the love of God in our community. Let's don't stop saying to one another, God loves you, he always has, he always will. Let's continue that message going forward. And let's ask God to make us men and women who express his love so that others will see in us who he is and come to know him in a personal way. Amen. 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 Well, friends, that brings us to the conclusion of our series, God Loves You, He Always Has and He Always Will, but you can memorialize these words through the book from which it originated. It's available from davidjeremiah.org along with the study guide and a set of uh, CDs or DVDs. You can get those from our website and order them right to your home. Use them for small group Bible study, for what you're doing in your church, for your own personal use. But uh, these resources are for you. We've created them with you in mind to help you internalize the Word of God. On Bundy, we're going to tackle a new uh, set of issues, and this one is called Slaying the Giants in Your Life. We've picked some of the key issues that people struggle with, and the first one, for instance, is slaying the giant of fear. How do you deal with fear in your life? Some people are so fearful they can't live. 
Bible has a lot to say about that. We're going to deal with these issues, and it's from another book I've written called Slaying the Giants in Your Life. We'll have all kinds of information about that on Monday. Um, but in the meantime, don't forget to order your copy of Nancy DeMoss's book, Heaven Rules. We've talked about that over and over again during this month. And the time is running out for you to do that. We want you to have the book. We don't want you to wait too long. Don't wait until the middle of February and think, oh, I should have ordered that book. No, order it now. It's so simple. A gift of any size will get this book sent to your home. All you have to do is take the action and do it. But do it today. The offer goes away on Tuesday of next week. So there's only two or three days left. So ask for Heaven Rules when you send your gift to Turning Point today. In the meantime, this is Friday. And I want to let you know how important it is that you get to church. Little by little, people are coming back to church. And, of course, what we hear is that some people who left coming to church during COVID are never coming back to their own hurt and the danger of their own life. But you aren't that way. You want to go to church. You just have been a little bit reluctant. So this week, you're going to do it. This week, you're going to go to church and be an encouragement to your pastor and to the friends that you know there. Be a blessing to the Christian community and uphold the truth of the Word of God. Standing together with all Christians across America, let's get back to church. I'm David Jeremiah. Thank you so much for letting me intersect in your life during uh, this week and today. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Senior Pastor Dr. David Jeremiah. Will you update us on this ministry's impact on your life? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Heaven Rules by Nancy DeMoss Wogelmuth and learn to find comfort and courage in this chaotic world. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we begin slaying the giants in your life on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. Thomas Paine, a leader of the American Revolution, knew that important things were also costly. He said, when we obtain too cheaply, we esteem too lightly. When David, king of Israel, wanted to offer a sacrifice to the Lord, 
someone offered to give him an ideal spot plus wood and oxen for the sacrifice for free. But David refused, saying he would not offer a sacrifice to the Lord that cost him nothing. So he paid the man 50 shekels of silver. David's descendant, Jesus of Nazareth, gave his whole life as a sacrifice to God, and the Apostle Paul exhorts us to do the same. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover the sacrifices God values on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.